Welcome to the Reading Aloud Podcast, a place where the creative, emotional, and hilarious aspects of relationship communication are explored in real time by a real couple. That's us. And a baby. (laughs) Enjoy. Welcome, Reading Aloud community, to our series on pandemic partnerships. In this series, we'll have conversations with 10 different couples and singles from across the country to dive deeper into how relationships are handling this ongoing global pandemic as we close out our second full year of COVID being a thing in our lives. We hope this series helps you in your own relationships and partnerships during this heavy time. Thanks for listening to the Reading Aloud Pandemic Partnership Series. And as always, if you have any questions, or feedback for Marisol and Adam, please connect with us on social media at Reading Aloud Podcast. Or our email, readingaloudlove at gmail.com. Enjoy. I am so freaking excited. I can't even tell you. Really excited. (laughs) Really excited. Oh boy. Before we actually get into introductions, I just want to say, holy hell, we've had to spend a lot of time with the person sitting next to us. Like a lot. So much. Yeah. So, so much. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have fun talking about that and how that is a joy and a struggle, especially when the person sitting next to you is so loud. Too loud. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome Erica and Matt to the Reading Lab podcast. We're so excited to have you all. Uh, how y'all doing? How are you coming into this space? Hmm. That was a great question. I personally am coming into this space a little disjointed and frazzled uh, because as you all know, we are without childcare and we spent the morning trying to interview nannies via Zoom Mm. with a teething toddler Mm. in the background that needed a lot of attention. It's kind of how I live most of my days these days is, is very scattered. How about you, Matt? I'm doing good. I'm pumped. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm feeling pretty grounded. I just got back from Atlanta. So kind of feeling Erica, but also doing my best to to be present and be grounded and so far doing a pretty good job. Let's start and just give some intros for our listening audience of who they're hearing on the podcast. Okay. Very high level. I'm Matthew Abrams. Hmm. I am a father, husband, Pisces. And uh, I work with leadership teams of companies and I help them, leaders and collectives, be vulnerable, be human, get aligned. Uh, I really love uh, supporting people and understanding what makes them come alive and create the conditions to help them do that. Yeah, I mean, there's so much, but I think at a high level, that, that's, that's who I am. That's good. I guess. <laughs> uh, I am Erica Carroll. And uh, I am a mom and an entrepreneur turned uh, seller of businesses (laughs) and now working for another company. It was really amazing timing because that all took place right before the pandemic. And it's been a really, it was a good move. I'm a cancer, like long walks on the beach. (laughs) and Survivor. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm a breast cancer survivor was diagnosed with breast cancer right as the pandemic started at 39 years old and then found out a few weeks later that I was pregnant. 
Yeah, it's a it's an amazing journey, and I hope that we have time to talk more about that. I'm sure it'll weave into essentially everything that we talk about. But you know, I mean, I think that when we're thinking about partnerships and the way, because I am also a cancer survivor, and the way in which that impacted our relationship and how we showed up for one another, Adam and I. So you had that layered on top of being pregnant, which was another really important time in our relationship where Adam showed up for me in specific ways, layered on top of the pandemic, which we're all just navigating sometimes with grace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. I mean, I can speak, start speaking to that, you know, the beginning of the pandemic was interesting because it's so overlaid with the cancer diagnosis. I mean, it literally happened. The diagnosis was March 12th and the pandemic was declared like the 13th in the U S and so they really go hand in hand for me. Um, and the other big thing was Matt was traveling a ton for work at that point in our lives, like really only home on the weekends. And then all of a sudden he was just here, you know, was a blessing And then we found out we were pregnant. (laughs) And so that first part of the pandemic was, you know, it almost didn't exist for us, I think is the best way to put it, because we were so absorbed in like treatment and pregnancy. Is the baby okay? I'm going to do chemotherapy while I'm pregnant, like all these things. And then it was like in the background, there was also a pandemic going on. The biggest way that that affected us is nobody could come in the house. Like nobody could really be with us. We didn't know what was going on yet. Like there were no vaccines. Everybody was like still washing their groceries. Like, you know, it's like to what level of vigilance, you know, did you have to take it to be safe, especially if you're in chemotherapy. So pandemic was kind of background treatment and baby were kind of forefront and it was just us in the house together. Um, And there was a lot of beautiful moments in that and then some real challenges. That's amazing. It's an amazing story first and foremost, but just the fact that it feels like for everyone else, pandemic was the thing. Like it was the thing you were talking about 24-7. You were having all these Zoom calls. You were talking about, I mean, it was everywhere all the time, especially in those first days. And for you all, it was like thing number three. Right. Yeah. On the list. Yeah. Yeah. I can't put myself there, but it's it. You really had a, a different experience than most people. And yeah. and I think we're still catching up to that. Mm-hmm. To be honest, like we have been riding like waves of of trauma and just like being really present with everything that happened. And enough time has now passed to where that's like settling into our bones a little bit and becoming very real for us. Everything that happened. So. And I feel like the one thing that might be more in line with what other people experienced is this shift from having time away from each other to having so much more time together. Cause that again, for you all, there were blessings in that because you needed support Erica in, in particular, lots of it. And Matt wanted to be there with you during that time. So that was how it needed to be and might've turned out that way anyways. But for the, those of us who just had that experience alone, like pandemic being number one, 
thing in our life. What was that like for you all? And I'd love, I want to hear from the both of you because I, I feel like I understand that you are both really independent people, very autonomous and yet very connected in your relationship as well. So that really changes the autonomy in the relationship. Yeah. I mean, it's everything is so entangled. So I can certainly talk to the perspective of being home. I mean, it was, it was, it felt right to be home, but it was also, we were, and I think this is probably more the case for me in such a, a triage active protector mode where it was, I was home. <laughs> it doesn't feel like I was home. It felt like I was just like my, I changed jobs. Like I genuinely feel like I changed jobs from doing the work that I do with my clients to full-time kind of like cancer and pregnancy researcher and like office assistant. I was like on the phone with the head of oncology at Sloan Kettering and MD Anderson and just like looking and reading research and journals and things of that nature. So it was, I mean, it was, it wasn't so much like, oh, I'm autonomous out in the world and now I'm home in lockdown and we're in lockdown together. And it's like, what should we watch on Netflix? It was like, oh, it's, can I swear? Oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's fucking on. Like this is real life in a way that we have never experienced or I have never experienced before. The question of autonomy isn't really something that comes to mind. It didn't feel like oh, well, now all this like autonomy and free will is now not there. It was just laser focused with one mission, which was keeping my wife alive and supporting her emotionally, physically, spiritually, psychically. And I think that's one area where maybe I, I lacked or lost, I guess, maybe autonomy, but I didn't exist. Like I really didn't exist. I became almost like some kind of facilitator in Erica's health and well-being. So like completely of service, it sounds like completely yeah. of service. Completely of service. While Erica talked to this a little bit, it was almost like a Japanese like karate movie that was dubbed over. Like all this action and fighting and warriorness was happening in real life in that moment. But like the audio track, which was actually like the emotional track was a different track and like a year behind. So Erica was starting to talk a little bit about, mm -hmm. you know, we're just starting to process some of this because it was so interconnected. And I especially was so much like you put your well-being and self and needs on the shelf right now and just do what needs to be done. Thank you, Neo. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Did you know that the Reading Aloud podcast has a Patreon account? That's right. When you support this podcast through Patreon, you become part of our Reading Aloud family, and we love our family members. At its core, this podcast is about providing insight and conversations that support and inspire our listeners to deepen their relationships and build community through conversation. Every week, we receive meaningful feedback on how the Reading Aloud podcast has supported someone through a challenging time, and now we need your support to keep that going. Your Patreon commitment not only provides you with curated, fun, and interactive bonus content, it helps us cover the many costs of producing a podcast. 
Check out our Patreon link in the show notes and see which level you can commit to. And know that we thank you so much for both your listening support as well as your financial support. Now let's get back to today's conversation. It starts to make me curious, what is it like now? You know, you did what you had to do, which puts you in a state of either shock or dissociation, but you need that in order to get through what you all had to get through. And so then you start to, once there's space and time and some of that that crisis is in the past, like the heavy crisis, then you start to, it starts to break open and you're looking at it now. But now you're also parents. And especially for you, Erica, literally every piece of your identity has shifted your business. You survived cancer, which changes you at a cellular level. You had to really prioritize your life, the pandemic, and you became a parent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I want to speak to that. And I want to back up just a, a tidbit. Um, Cause this feels relevant. Um, just speaking to like the growth and, you know, that you've all experienced, I would say in that year, one of the biggest realizations that I had, because Matt had been traveling so much for work and it had like really gotten to a point where I did not recognize how disconnected I felt from him and how disconnected our relationship had felt. And there was like these little underlying resentments that had been building up that I wasn't in touch with. And I remember after surgery, we were sitting on the couch and, you know, he was, he was now here because of the pandemic, which was this weird blessing in disguise for us for like that year. And we were sitting on the couch and I just started crying. And I was like, I really missed you. Like, I didn't realize I'm almost like getting emotional now thinking about it. Like I really, I missed him so much in our relationship. And we really got that year to be together in a new way after like 16 years together, but to also get real with our shit. There was like so much, (laughs) so much and a lot of therapy. And um, I, as hard as that was, it was one of the most like richest times in our lives where we really grew to a new level which was pretty I mean, amazing. y'all are awesome. Do you know how awesome you are? You are, both of you are absolutely incredible. I mean, I'm, I'm, I haven't said much. I'm just sitting back here in awe of, I'm a hundred percent sure that this has been so incredibly difficult. I could never possibly imagine what it's like going through all this. And at the same time, it feels in the way that you're talking about, like you have discovered this like strength within yourselves and your relationship to navigate it. I guess I'm just curious where were there things that you found yourself doing um, when people say, well, how did you do that? Were there were there specific things that you found yourself doing or did it feel like it come natural or did you did you have to put in work? Did you have to sit down and say, we need to start doing X, Y, Z? or was it really just this power within you that shone through? I'll let you speak to this too, but I think for me, it was the, you know, the diagnosis and every, you you get this like hit of your mortality, you know, and it's like, everything got weirdly clear to me. And especially in terms of our relationship and in terms of, you know, how I was showing up in the world. And so some clarity came from, I think, just what the outer world was experiencing and what I was experiencing on a more acute level. It was, you know, they kind of layered on each other. And so in that, those first few months, there was just a lot of clarity that came up in this real need 
to address everything. So it was like, we dove deep at like the time that seemed like the worst to really start working on a relationship when you have all these other things, but it was so necessary. You weren't afraid to go to the places that were super uncomfortable and that these situations almost in some ways allowed those doors to open up and you all had the strength to walk through them together and I think we see over and over in our relationship and conversations, just going there is so necessary that if you don't actually go there in conversation, in communication with the other person, then you're not going anywhere. And so it's just really inspiring to hear like you all went there because I, I, I don't think that that's a given in my opinion. And that, that makes me curious. I mean, did, was there ever a time when you were like, you know, because I think that for some people, when there's major crises in their lives, that awakening that you talked about, Erica, um, everything becoming crystal clear, sometimes looks like this isn't the life I want to live, mm-hmm. period. And I'm curious, it it sounds like that that very clearly was not where you all went. But I'm curious, did either one of you all at any point ha- answer that question for yourselves? And maybe you haven't said this out loud to each other, which then is very much putting you on the spot. But I, you know, that's what we do here at the Reading Aloud podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I can happily answer that. No, that that was actually not something that came up. This deep questioning of, oh, is do, do I want to be here? I was, I was there, and I surrendered to what there was. I would say that I think Adam is being a little gracious with how much there is a sense of empowerment going on with this decision to show up and a decision to walk through and enter the the challenge and slay that dragon. I felt like I was, I didn't walk through the door. There was a freight train pushing on my ass through the door. So I didn't have that like, hmm, let me be contemplative and I want to show up to this. It was all happening so fast. And I felt, I felt alone, uh, even with Erica, I felt alone, um, definitely without the community that we have to be there and hold space for us, especially for me, because I was holding so much space for Erica. That was almost like the fourth thing. You know, there's the COVID and then there's the, the chemo and the cancer and then there's pregnancy, but then there's another almost more like coercive element which is doing this alone so alone i mean even when people would come over they would be veiled right behind their mask outside six feet apart whatever there really wasn't a question of maybe i want to bail on this relationship and it got harder than you know anyone really knows It is interesting. So we know you all, right? And we're really getting to know you all with every connection that we make, you know, but I knew you, Erica, before the four of us knew each other. It's like twofold. There was a lot I didn't know about you. There was just like a lot I didn't know about you. And then there was also... Yeah, that like that was natural. And then also it was interesting to me to be in such close proximity to you through a program that we had done and still be a lot that I didn't know about you. So then it it, it kind of all began to open up when you when you had, and I don't know actually what number this was for you, but was, this wasn't your first miscarriage, right? No, we had two miscarriages before Ollie 
And so much like your fertility journey, it, you know, we spent five years trying to get pregnant, experienced two miscarriages. And when I was diagnosed, they told me that basically our journey with having our own children was over because of the treatment that would follow for me. And so, you know, we were really in this place of trying to find acceptance with that. We were heartbroken. That was you know, the hardest. That was, that was, it was painful. And then 10 days later, surprise. I mean, I'm just still <laughs> speechless. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just think, I think I'm, I'm curious, you know, we, Adam and I, and here at the Reading Loud podcast, like we are meaning makers. And I mean, that is, you know, that is nothing short of a miracle. And you know that. And like, it's funny because, you know, I think that you have experienced your own journey. You know how powerful it is. You've touched many people's lives by sharing about it, like enormous amount. And yet it is still so touching. Like, you know, I know that you have touched so many people's lives in sharing, in sharing your story. And yet it's so touching. And I think I'm, I think some of my tears are coming from like, I know who listens to this podcast because they reflect back to us what they hear. And I'm, I'm sort of almost like pre- crying with them because people often talk about crying when listening to our podcast, when something touches them or feels resonant. And I just, I know that people are hearing the miracle in all of this and just the sort of oddness of the miscarriages. And then, and then Ollie just like yeah. sliding in, he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, please, please, please. We just have to, I just have to get there. You know, and the miracle of how he showed up truly, like when I went in for surgery, you have to do a pregnancy test. Like anyone of childbearing age has to, because they just have to make sure. And I technically was pregnant, but not pregnant enough for it to show up, which if it had shown up, they would have postponed my surgery, which I needed to save my life. And, and or I would have had to make a really hard decision, you know, about what to do but it didn't. So I got to have the surgery and get like that over with. And it was so early that it didn't even affect him. Like all of the things that they had to do and then found out. And I have to say, like, we were both in shock. And also we had gone through two miscarriages where we had gone to the ultrasound and there was no heartbeat. And so we weren't exactly excited. You know, it wasn't like, oh, that's overjoyed. It's like, I have cancer, I need chemo. And we've gone through this before. Like, is this just going to be heartbreak on top of everything else? And so there were several weeks where we had to do a lot of tests and it was intense. And then uh, we got a phone call from a nurse and she said, we got all your test results back and your baby looks perfectly healthy. And then she asked us if we wanted to know if it was a boy or a girl. And I called, I yelled to Matt, <laughs> sorry. I yelled to Matt because we were like, yeah, we want to know everything. And Matt came running down the stairs and she said, <clears throat> you have a perfectly healthy baby boy. And, and that's when we found out we were for real pregnant. <laughs> And I started chemo four days later. Do you, do you feel like you knew this story or, or how much of the story do you feel like you knew? I just knew that I just knew the top lines. Like I just knew the 
diagnosed with you that Erica you were diagnosed with breast cancer then you found out you were pregnant and it was the pandemic that was pretty much the extent that I knew so I mean just so much gratitude for you sharing people listen to this podcast because it's conversations that they don't get to hear happen anywhere else because they're they're typically things that we keep to ourselves and Adam and I recorded a podcast recently where we talked about the benefit of keeping certain things to ourselves and the benefit of sharing certain things so think about it through the lens of like others going through I mean raise your hand if you're going through exactly what Erica went through uh I didn't okay no one and then um people going through their own experience experiences in this time that are, mm-hmm. are difficult or big, et cetera. So we'd love to hear your growth points because it is a unique situation. And I think people think, oh my gosh, the pandemic, I can't make it through. And yet here's an example of you all making it through so much more than just the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. And I really appreciate that question. Thank you. And I also want to just acknowledge that, you know, of course, what we went through and what Erica went through is, is exceptional in a, in a lot of ways, of course. And also just to acknowledge that I, I feel like we've all, none of us have just gone through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It's not like everything else in the life is, is totally normal and fine. That has a rippling effect on everything that's happening. And there can be marriages that were breaking down. There can be familial relationships. There can be job losses, you know? So just really honoring the journey that all of us are on and the grief that has shown up and the adversity that has shown up because it feels really important that this like thing that's happening over here, but this was just our journey and everyone has that journey and we're humans and we have adversity, but just honoring honoring and acknowledging that all of us have gone through something really, really hard and are still going through it on many different levels. As far as the learning is concerned, there was something that happened in the moment, like in the moments of the past 20 months, which was a, a radical distillation of what truly is important. We didn't have this luxury of spinning out about like, oh, what was me or what was us? It was just like, oh, this needs to be dealt with. Like, this is a fire that needs to be put out now. And this one also, and this one also. So there was a radical presence that happened that I would like to believe, I think in some ways, yes, in some ways, no, that that's still present, that what is really critical in life and understanding that so much of the things that I can spin out on are are not worth spinning out on. So I think some of that has carried over. I think um, as far as our relationship, it it was almost like, um, you know, having two miscarriages is real, no doubt. And then there was an element of immaturity that was existing within both of us, I think. And then between us, that's where we had to show up. And I think that's what you were saying. It's yeah. like, I I chose that, you chose that to show up and do the work and transcend that immaturity and almost like a piece of coal under pressure, really choosing to stay in it, stay in the pressure, stay in the, in the grief and in the trauma and in the challenge and do the work. And that work has allowed us, I'll just speak for myself, enabled me to be more candid and raw and vulnerable with who I am and who I'm not. Appreciation for space, more feminine characteristics, intuition, pausing, reflection, 
um, and being present in ways that I wasn't able to access before. And I would not have been able to have some of these um, treasures were it not for really showing up during the storm. I want to acknowledge also the what you're talking about, Matt, is like it's it's not the trauma Olympics, right? Like we're not comparing traumas and saying one is more than the other. Um, on the other hand, there have been times where I am literally drowning in an inch of water. And so lifting my head up to gain some perspective is a really important part of my healing. And so again, I have been able to use your story at times to standing up and showing up for circumstances that feel impossible to me. And I think it's just important, you know, you all hear that you, you know, you have inspired people to do just that, including us, or at least including me. Holy shit. And I will say that I think everything that we went through together and on our own, like interpersonal work was so key to how we've been able to show up as parents. Mm -hmm. And it was a blessing in disguise. Such a gift. It, yeah, it was a really weird, hard gift. <laughs> so what you're saying is that having the diagnosis of cancer and having to show up together and being freight trained into that situation together has created a foundation for yourselves as parents. Absolutely. Our therapist said, and as humans, and, as humans. <laughs> and our therapist basically said, it's like, he's, he was like, you started the year in kindergarten and you ended the year with a master's degree. He's like, I've never seen people work so fast to like have existential crisis together and just like blow through it. So you know, my growth and I think our growth together, but I can really speak to my growth was about getting very real with myself. And so there was a lot of having to say things. Well, two things, having to say things to Matt that I had always been too afraid to say, because I think I was afraid to lose them if I were to say them, but they were things that I had been carrying around for years. And it led to some, you know, more specific acute actions in our relationship that weren't ready for a podcast yet, but, but it led to dysfunction. It was really time to shed a light on those things. And that was scary for me. That was really scary to, you know, bring that stuff that feels so massive and so dark to the surface. But Adam, like you said, you know, if you're not talking about it, you're stalled or you're moving backwards. And I feel like that's in, in some ways where we had been for a while. So it was some hard truths, but you know, when you have hard truths in your relationship, it brings up the hard truths about yourself. And so I really had to look at myself and how I was showing up in the world and how I wasn't. And that was painful, but really necessary. All the things like Marisa, I love how you say drowning in an inch of water, because I'm definitely prone to that. And, you know, there's a lot of victim mentality and the fear of abandonment, like all the stuff that I carry on my shoulders and the different ways that it comes out in the world. And so to really get real about that and work on it is where my growth definitely happened. Thank you, Neo. Heyo! We hope that you're enjoying this episode of the Reading Aloud podcast. If you're interested in learning more or inquiring about working directly with Mighty Souls Fashion Therapy or Adam's Modern Man Training, you can totally do that. You can at soulreflection.com. That's S-O-L reflection.com or follow her on social media at soulreflection. 
You can email Adam directly at adam at modern-man.org. We hope to hear from you. Now let's get back to today's conversation. Somebody shared with me once early on uh, like that if you're not growing together, or and they specifically said if you're not growing spiritually together, then what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And it's, in my opinion, there is deep truth in that. And it's not that you're always having to be like, not in the like capitalistic sense, right? You're not like getting more efficient or we're like so productive as a couple, but it's like, it really comes back to self. And if you're not continually growing in yourself and help and working with your partner to help you grow in yourself and working together in that, then you're just going to be existing. And I, I think for us, like once you realize the, like the freedom and the, the passion and the the joy that can be contained through that vulnerability and through those difficult chairs, then you don't want to be any other way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you really don't. It's just so powerful to hear you say that. And I think I know that uh, that people struggle with, and I certainly have as well and still do. Absolutely. Still do. Yeah. yeah. I would love to say that like, Ooh, we, we got it all together now. And like, you know, I'm like totally in it, but it's constant practice with ourselves constant. and with each other. And, you know, Matt and I got together when I was 23 and now like in my head, I'm like, I was a baby. So to be able to grow, actually grow spiritually, like in every realm of our lives and do that together and give each other space to do that and then come back together at different moments. I think that's so important and so beautiful to understand that there's ebbs and flows and that it is a practice and that it, it you can't just like press a, we got it button and like it's fixed sort of a thing. So I just want to speak to the fact that, especially for for you and I and us as a couple, you know, having the fertility challenge is one thing. So it's like you've been trying to get this thing for so long and then it happens. And then potentially you have a very traumatic labor <laughs> like you and I did. Raise your hand. Yes. Mine's yeah. raised. Yours is raised. Yes. Yeah. And so you go through all these experiences and then you finally have this baby and it's supposed to be like the most amazing, precious moment of your life. And personally for me, it was fucking terrifying. I was exhausted. I was so anxious. I was so terrified. Ollie was in the NICU for a week and it just set off all these alarm bells in my mom brain that I couldn't turn off. I will honestly say that the first year with Ollie was harder than going through cancer and being pregnant with him. It has been so hard. I was going to ask if there was a way that you could even look at it like that. I I mean, hands down, it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, but by like 10,000%, like really, truly. Yeah, no, I I feel that. And Matt, I want to hear from you on this too, but I just want to share like all those other events were like really intense, but acute. And like, once you have a kid, it's just really intense, but just forever, <laughs> just <Right>. forever <laughs> and ever. <laughs> yeah. And there's so much, I just, I just didn't know. I mean, I think every new parent will say this and it's true for all of us. I just feel like I have no idea what I'm doing all of the time, <laughs> but yet you're expected to do something all of the time, all of the time you and I have some similarities in our beingness. And I think, um, how old were you when, when Ollie was born? I was 40. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And I was 37. 
So, you know, age playing a factor in that, like having lived, you know, 40 years of your life before having a baby, it's a big chunk of life. So, you know, you're not old, but it's more than having a baby at 21. So we got used to some things being a certain way and knowing ourselves in a certain capacity. Yeah. And then the rug gets pulled out from under you. (laughs) So Matt, what are your thoughts on that? It's hard. Honestly, this is probably one of the more vulnerable invitations for me and that I had this kind of vision of who I would be as a dad. And ever since the first moment of meeting Ollie, even before meeting Ollie, nothing went to what I had expected. It was all different. Everything was off-roading from the two miscarriages to the pregnancy to delivering five weeks early to a week in NICU to seeing my baby for the first time, my son, and not crying with tears of joy and looking at you and like having some like warm 80s like vibe in the background. (laughs) It was numbness. He was in my hands and our doula said, talk to him, sing to him and do something to with him. And I it was just some foreign, weird something in my hand. So different. I thought I would be like, a puddle so full of love and then that has you know in some ways continued and I just want to like normalize this that I am I go away on business trips and I'm like ah this is really nice and there are times when I spend time with him where I love the shit out of him and I will stare at him and I will cry and I will have that feeling and there are other times where it's just like I want to get out of here I don't want to be here and Erica has been taking the lion's share of the Ali care. And I don't feel good about myself when I feel those things. And when I see Erica doing it, I know it's hard for her too. And it's hard. I mean, bottom line is it's hard. And this phase right now too, I mean, he's just becoming a real human in a lot of ways. You know, he's starting to connect and do things. And that's definitely helping. But that first year especially was just like, I don't love this. Like I thought I would love this. And whoa, that sucks. And am I not who I thought I was? So yeah, just being real. It's been hard. It's been beautiful. And it's been a lot of things. It's not just this or not just that. It evolves and it's seasonal. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate you sharing that and normalizing that because it's super important. My personal experience with it, like, I think we've we've had a little bit flipped roles of you all. Like I've taken at least around sleep. I, I, I guess that that's the way I think about it. Like sleep, <laughs> eating and sleeping, managing those two things are the number one thing. And it, at least around sleep, like I've kind of taken this role of like the lion's share of the work. And for me, it's like this. I have to detach from it sometimes to where I find myself getting to it where it's like a, it becomes like a job almost. And and I fall into it in that way. Like, oh, now I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And I have found myself feeling disconnected sometimes from that care and love aspect and then feeling bad about that. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I'm, I, this isn't a job. This is a joy. And this is a a privilege to be able to, to, to spend time with my son and to raise him, but I'll get in that mode. And I, I think it's because I have to sometimes, I mean, I have to compartmentalize it to where this just is a box that needs to be checked right now. Mm -hmm. Being okay with that has been really hard for me and being okay with checking those boxes and holding space for just everything else that's going on all feels very heavy. 
And at the same time, like I will share this and I've shared it before on the podcast. I heard a lot of parents talk about how when they had their kid, their heart would expand and that new, you know, a, a new understanding of love. And you wouldn't imagine how big. And I think that's true to, to what you were saying, Matt, like it wasn't as I expected. And I found it to be where I would do all of these things. I would get up in the middle of the night and stay up for hours. I would go do all these things that I would literally do for no one else, but I would, wouldn't question doing them. And it was like this service aspect of love that I, I don't think I'd fully incorporated. So, so I have a question. So first of all, again, thank you, Matt, for sharing that. Um, do we think that we would have felt differently five years if our babies had come five years ago? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a question that we can't answer. Like we, we have no context for this. You know, the articles that I've read lately, we've shared with each other have been so helpful mm. for me because I'm like, oh, okay. Like this is extraordinary, even beyond the already extraordinary <laughs> circumstances, even beyond. And I just want to express this pandemic or not being a mom, being a new parent is so hard. And there isn't, even when there's not a pandemic going on, there's not enough support or care for moms or new parents. It is crazy to me that they just let us walk out of the hospital and they're like, see you later. Like, <laughs> um, and you know, and our communities are just not built in the way where we're showing up for each other in that way. I mean, you know, we have some good circles personally where we get a lot more care and we've built that and curated that, but in general, that doesn't happen for a lot of people. And I I really feel like I, I saw the pandemic, it shone light on how fragile so much connection and community was out there, that it was based on all these things. It was based on connection that was not authentic in a lot of ways. Like it was fun and it was real in the moment. But when the pandemic took away all those things, like you couldn't just go out drinking together or you couldn't go watch something together you actually had to have genuine connection in these moments it, it showed how fragile a lot of that community was and mm -hmm. you know i think that that's one thing why we are continuing to try to cultivate conversation out in the world because that's how we build it so i mean i know that's a little off what you were saying but just thank you for bringing mm -hmm. that up because I, I think it's it's a really important aspect and mm -hmm. and then you have things like becoming a new parent and those cracks show even wider. Mm -hmm. And Marisol, I'd like to respond to your question. I know it is impossible. You know, we don't have the context to be able to really answer that. But I, I mean, I, I will just say it would be. It would be different, right? It has to be different. I mean, because what COVID has brought up is this din in the background, like consistently taking some energy it's like a window in your computer that's like re always requiring energy mm -hmm. and it's just showing up in so many draining ways i mean yes of course some gifts some silver linings but let's be honest a lot of it has been draining a lot of it has been painful a lot of uh we're talking about nannies and like let's just name it like we're fortunate enough to even have a nanny we're fortunate enough to have two of us to co-parent like mm -hmm. so many amazing benefits that we have that a lot of people don't and still with like a nanny it's oh like you are out with these people and this person got covid and like we need to talk and you can't show up and mm -hmm. triage mode and then oh my gosh maybe 
we have COVID and we got to research Ollie and what if he gets COVID? And it's just like the fear factor and the stress factor, like being a new parent, that's already up, y'all. <laughs> like that's already there and present. Like, is he breathing? Is he okay? He fell. Is he teething? He's not talking. What does that mean? We don't know. We can't communicate. This whole other layer, those things that are underneath the surface too, are, are real, are maybe more real than the other stuff. So yeah, I think it would be easier. I think it would be fucking easier <laughs> raising a newborn without COVID going on. I, I I mean, I agree. Yeah, there's enough mental space being taken up. You know, I think our I think especially as women, there's like, uh, I don't know what you know where this comes from or how true it is, but I had a girlfriend say that the minute you get pregnant, gray matter starts to accumulate in your brain, meaning brain cells die and empty space start, which is helpful from a biological standpoint because all of a sudden you start to narrow, narrow, narrow your focus, and all you can think about mm -hmm. is the baby. But it's mm -hmm. also you know, so there's there's limited capacity that comes with becoming a new parent. So we really know you more now than we've ever known you before, right? So what is one thing about you today that we know that we know about you that wouldn't have been true two years ago? I'm definitely not a better cook. I somehow became worse. <laughs> Erica made this like, she took like a clarity reflective break or something a couple of years ago. And we were reading, <laughs> she's like, I'm really going to invest in my growing my abilities and skills around cooking I, Anyways, did, I did not do that so that's not that's not the thing that Eric is gonna say so something that is like more present for us now that was not two years ago like something about us I have a deeper understanding of my ability to respond and show up for myself and for Erica and for us and for my family it's next level I think if you, you all saw us or saw me two years ago, there would be a probably, you know, it's not all good. There'd be like a, maybe a lighterness and a more carefreeness of laissez-faire, whatever. And that came at a cost. So I think just that transmuted that kind of like freedom and carefreeness transmuted into more responsibility. You know, what came up for me is I think that two years ago, I was much more judgmental of other people and of myself. And I hate to admit that, but it was a uh, probably part of the defenses that I, you know, created, but kind of constantly always just with this judgeful eye and like not only going through what we've gone through, but also because of the pandemic and seeing what everybody's going through and like the struggles that are so real for so many people. I just realized we all need, we all need a break, man. Like we just need to have a little bit more compassion and understanding for each other and for ourselves. That's something I constantly am working on, especially for myself. What about you, Adam? Oh, I didn't know it was going to get turned on me. I think overarchingly, I am more self-confident in the positive. I think I'm a much more self-confident person than I was two years ago. And I, I have a belief in myself that was not there. Yeah, I am so much clearer about what I care about as a Gemini and a people pleaser and a couple other things like I'd have told you I cared about everything and would have given my all if you were like, hey, let's do this thing together to give my all to it. And now I'm so clear about what's important. It's the priority shift, but it is nice to live a simpler life. Yeah. 
favorite TV show? I feel like this might be a question for Ollie because I'm not sure you have time to watch your own TV. <laughs> Great British Baking Show, isn't that the one you said gets him every time? <laughs> Our kid loves the Great British Baking Show. And he only specifically at around 7.15, right before he goes to bed, he just needs a little, little Hollywood handshake and he is ready for bed. <laughs> a little Hollywood handshake. That's it. He goes to bed on cloud nine. <laughs> it's so bizarre, but it's so true. <laughs> That's awesome. awesome. Well, we're super grateful for this time with you all. And thank you so much for sharing your stories and your hearts. And I know that our listeners are, like I said, going to be inspired and touched. So thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks you all for listening and participating. We always have a great time with you. And if you enjoy the podcast, please go online and rate, review, share this with your friends. This is the way that we build this community. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.